From the Lucha Podcast Network, this is the Mass Startup Podcast. The Mass Startup Podcast profiles the most talented creators, impactful entrepreneurs, and high-performing professionals with the purpose to drive insights, learnings, and tactics to help you build the things that you believe in. My name is Kamal Goloi. Actually, my first name is... Yeah, I'm the CEO co-founder of Rosy. We deliver groceries here in South Africa. Do you remember the first time that you ever wanted to build something? Yeah, yeah. I think the, the first time I ever wanted to build something, I think I was I was actually working for, for, for a company called Magma Tech in Cape Town. I always wanted to go into business. And, and I remember back then, my, my brother used to do a couple of things as well. Like it was a business. Actually, I was trying to get into business, you know. And I was always inspired. I was like, damn, I want to do something with these guys as well, you know. Yeah, but I really didn't build anything then. And then fast forward, my first business that I got my hands involved in was investing in another second-hand bookstore Mm. where it was actually run by students. It was not really even a bookstore, actually. They were just doing it in campus where they would buy second-hand books. Oh, no, I know those hustlers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Those are the original hustlers. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, damn, this thing can be a a cool business. Mm. Let me put some money. I think I invested about 20,000 rand at the time. The guys were in UCT, so I invested 20,000 rand. And it turned out to be a very good business. But at the time, well, I got my bro- my other brother wasn't employed to get involved in that, you know. So he used to run it for me. Hmm. Just, yeah, put an investment and those guys. And then, yeah. and then it would make So what were they doing? Just buying textbooks from retailers and then reselling them at school? or No, buying from other students and reselling them, you know. Oh, wow. Uh, to other students, yeah. So it was more like, you know, like when you're doing this year and you go going for a second year means your first year books are still available for mm. sold, you know. So that was a business at the time. But then that really opened my eyes. I was like, damn, this, I think this thing can work, right? And then I remember I, this was in 20... When all of these things happened, it was in 2012, right? And then I remember in 2013, I was like, okay, let me actually try and formalize this by signing our publishers directly. So instead of like selling second-hand books, I will do new books as well. And then also try and build a website where people can actually order these books, you know. So is this like your first, you know, foray into going, okay, I can see this really physical analog business. Let's add some technology, even if it's just a website, just to make that transaction easier, simpler and faster. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, like, so in fact, what I did is I actually moved away. I left them to do the secondhand stuff. And then I was like, okay, let me build an e-commerce platform where you can actually order books, but you're dealing with new books now, you know, get delivery maybe next day or within three days, you know. Yeah, that was my first ex- experience of building something. Yeah, and, and I must say it was very challenging at the time because, I mean, I used to, a bit of background, I, I worked for FNB. My last job actually was at FNB. So when I left, I left FNB to do this full time. Didn't have any savings, you know. I wasn't really disciplined, you know. So left the job with no savings, and I just had my firstborn baby, you know, you know, like my woman as well. At the time, she used to work for, she used to work for Deloitte, you know, mm. doing articles. But at that time, because she was actually pregnant with her first baby, and then she, she, she didn't have any job because she was actually done with the, with the articles. Now she was in between and now she was pregnant. You know? mm. And here I am, you know, you know, with your first, firstborn baby as well, you are very emotional. No, I just bought it. Well, I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, I can tell you now, I was very emotional. I was like, ah, let me get 
a decent car, C class, so I can, you know, take the A decent car, a C class. Yeah, like <laughs> so I can take because I used to have a Toyota some Toyota Yaris or something. Mm. So I was like, let me get a a nice the timing was just horrible, you know. Because yeah, yeah, I used to have a nice job, but now I'm starting I'm starting a business, I'm having a baby, a woman's not working and you know, so you find yourself in the middle of all of these things where you're quitting a job. So I, I would say the timing was was not really perfect, and mm. that's why most of the people who always want to wait for the perfect timing, it will never come. You know, mm. you can use today if you want to do stuff, just go and do it. You know, and that's what I did then. You know, I remember then I I started then building a platform, got the books. You know, established relationship with the publishers. I was confident that I was going to do about a million rand turnover with a profit of about four hundred thousand rand. How much did you invest in this like platform versus, say, the analog twenty k investment in the second hand books? I think on the platform, I I didn't really. It was more like time, right? So mm. you know, like at the time, Michael as well, who then became a partner later at Zozi, he helped me as well to build the website. But there was no. There was not any money that I, I put for. I didn't have money to mm. invest at the time, right? So, yeah, and then the publishers as well was more like getting credit terms with them, you know. Uh, they give you 100,000, 200,000 rand credit, and then that, and then I was able to get stock from them without having to pay anything upfront. You know? Where are you building this trust with these guys for them to say, okay, yeah, we'll give you 100,000 rand worth of stock. You're just this guy who just walked in with this idea? Look, I think at that time, they were a little bit like less as well from there. <laughs> <laughs> there were actually few though. There were few that when I was doing secondhand, I had a, I had bought books from them, right? Mm-hmm. Now. So I had like let's say maybe two references where guys could call to say, oh, who are these guys? You know. So there was a little bit of, it was not it was not big enough, but there was a little bit of traction, you know, mm-hmm. where I had sort of like tried to buy books to give it to those secondhand guys who were selling. Like maybe it was not a lot, maybe 30,000 rand worth of stock at the time, you know. So there was a little bit of the guys sort of like maybe use that reference to say, oh, maybe we can, you know. And I'll, I did sell the story as well that we're going online. Mm. It's the business plan. We want to sell this. We think students are going to adopt it. Yeah. So the story really looked great. How, how important has storytelling been in your entrepreneurial journey like overall though? Because like what you're saying, there isn't necessarily like all the numbers to prove that you'd you'd be able to sell all these books. But they're saying, you know what, we can trust this person and they know what they're doing. Yeah, I think the storytelling is so it's so important. I think I do it every day, right? Even mm-hmm. today, like if you have to convince someone to work with you, it means you have to tell them a story. They have to believe in that story, you know. And I think when I look back, there's been a lot of stories like that from my side where I'll convince someone to come and invest time to build something, you know, some cases maybe for free because I didn't have cash, you know, mm-hmm. but they believe that this was going to be big, you know, and also like just being likable, you know, being able to relate better with people, it does help as well, you know, because then, you know, sometimes people just want to help you because you're a nice guy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, so then the target at the time, it was more like we're going to do one million rand, selling books, you know, so went all out, got all the publishers, got books. They were in four ways. I used to have an apartment in four ways, right? Mm. So, you know, my baby just, you know, just got a baby, was born, and then, you know, the next thing, everywhere there were books, you know. So the, mm. the whole townhouse was books everywhere. Sitting room, go to the kitchens, books. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, so there was a lot of books there, you know. And the, the publishers would come, big trucks would come and, 
and deliver to a terminals there in Aquila and Forways, you know. What what's the conversation you have, you know, with your partner to say, hey man, look, I know there's a lot of books here, but we have a plan and this is how it's gonna work. You know, how do you communicate those things to your partners to say, This is what I'm trying to do, especially when you've quit your very safe job, you've got the new brand, the the the, the decent card, C class, yeah, you're living in four ways, yeah. you've got all the stock and it's credit. Yeah, look, I think I think I was very fortunate as well, right? That I had, um, you know, you know, like my wife was very understanding, you know. So she she bought into the vision, you know. I think it's so important that people around you should be the first people to believe in you, right? And if you can't sell it to them, it becomes very difficult. So yeah, I think she bought into the vision. So you know, she knew where we're going. You know, it was more like you know, let's do this. We're gonna make a lot of money. You know, I'll <laughs> buy you a nice house. <laughs> don't worry about this apartment you know yeah so she, so she was very supportive at the time and then yeah and then books were just all over and then now it's time to to work you've got the website is great right but you know you still have to sell stuff and then i remember when i actually facebook i i, I actually went on facebook to run some ads you know and then there were just no sales what what year is this this was in 20 now it's in 2013, actually, right? 2013. So I'm trying to do stuff. I'm trying to do many things, you know, because actually I started by putting posters, actually, all over campus, right? Went to vets, put posters that you can order your books online, do these, but no one was buying. You mm. know? And then, you know, I go, you know, like on social media, try to advertise there, try and create multiple accounts as well, invite people, you know, mm. try and build a profile, you know? Had you ever done sales in any way before that? No, I'd not done any sales. I was just like a developer who had not done any sales before, you know. So, but I was trying multiple ways, you know, mm. trying multiple ways, trying to see how can I get a database of students. I remember back then as well, I also go to like notice boards, right? Take pictures of like, you know, students, what do you call it? The student, what do you call it? The student number, right? Mm. And then with the student number, you build up an email address. And with that, then you have a database, like take many pictures of everything in campus and then try and, you know, convert that into an email that you can send to students. Mm. You know what, we are sending books, we're doing this. So it was quite intense in terms of like the things that we had to do to try and get sales, right? And it was just not coming, right? It wasn't coming because of many reasons. Students just didn't see a need to buy books online. They were very close to the bookstores. Beside that, I think they preferred to walk to the bookstore and buy the stuff. There were many other discount texts we call bookstores where they could walk into the bookstore and buy the books, you know. So it really made it hard for us to make the sales. And as time was ticking by, because you can see the first week is usually the busiest week where students are buying books, right? When yeah. they open. And then if you're not getting that right, then here comes the second week. And then the second week you have to make a call. You know, because remember like in this case I've got books that are on credit, you know, and there's a lot of money. I haven't made anything yet, even 10000 right? And if I don't change something, then I'm going to be owing the publishers and I have to go back to work. So I then decided that, you know, maybe the best thing for me is to go to 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 campus vets, set up a stand there. Like I had a table, a lot of students who were studying at vets at the time, me that there's these guys, you know, and most of them, they were actually very, they were convinced that those books were stolen. <laughs> so, so I had to put a, a table there selling books and selling them at a cost as well, right? Because time was ticking. I wanted to sell as much as I can, you know? Yeah, and then I think 
that worked a bit, right? And then I think by the end of the month, I had about 300,000, 300,000 rand, but that was not profit. It was like I had, I had 300,000 rand that I could use to pay publishers. So with that 300,000 rand, I was like, damn, you know, like I'm screwed. What, what can I do? You know? Wait, how much of the stock did you have? I think that stock, if I look at the cost price, it was probably about six, six, seven hundred thousand rands, right? Okay. Worth of stock. Yeah, and then hoping to make a margin of about 30, 40%. So it was going to take me to a million rand. That's, that, that's where the That was the calculation. Yeah, that was the calculation. <laughs> but yeah, I am sitting here with about 300,000 rand. There's no profit. You still owe publishers. What do you do next? You know? So as I was sitting there, I started to look at entry-level gadgets, you know, because of this website I can use for for gadgets. And then I did the same thing, went to all universities, put posters everywhere, you know, from Val, Pretoria. Student advisors were not interested in buying those entry-level gadgets, like Huawei just came in. And I think back then as well, there was this thing of like Chinese products, they're fake, mm. you know, so, so it wasn't well received, most for for, for for investors that were, were like, there's a lot of like, let's say, people are doing well, right? They looked at those things like, no, I'm not gonna buy Huawei, you know? So, as I was sitting there, right? And I'm thinking, damn, what do I do next, you know? Go back to work. I remember this other day, I was so stressed. And then some students from Val came, right? And I had some few phones, laptops, and they bought everything. <laughs> bought everything, I was like, damn, you know? And you know, I even asked them questions, how they get here, how they find out about me. And then I remember I went to Val put posters. So they saw those posters. They took a train, come to Jovek, and then they find out that, oh, these guys are actually advanced. They found me there, bought everything. And then I was like, okay, the following day we must go to this place. You know? When there, we started selling, you know, we asked the university to allow us to promote there. And then, yeah, and then it was really a big business at the time. That helped me to also recover in terms of getting the money to pay the publishers that I was owing. Yeah, so then it really allowed me to stay in business. So, you know, you clearly see that, okay, you know, 700,000 rand worth of stock. Yeah. You sell 300,000. Yeah. How do you get... Do you then use the 300,000 to buy the entry-level gadgets so that you can try and recover so you can make it back to the million? Yeah, that's that's what I did, you know. Hey, right. So so at the time I was actually thank God I've got money. <laughs> <laughs> like like and, and that's one thing that I learned there, you know, that actually having working capital whichever way it can really help you. you know? That became my formula all the time, right? To a point where when I remember then there were some guys that were operating same similar things to us, you know. So what they would do is they would, they would actually even ask students to give them money so they can go and buy gadgets for them, right? And they would have to wait for, like, let's say, even close to a month to get their products. But then with me, because I had capital, you know, that belonged to someone, I mm. could actually tell the student that you come to me, you order for me, you get it delivered same day. Mm. You, know, you give me your money, take your product. And that really helped me to build a big business then to students. And yeah, we continue to grow year on year. Yeah, it was really like awesome to see that story like evolve. Even though the business itself, it was very seasonal. Like you get gadgets, you look at books. It's like first week of Jan, Feb. If you don't make your money then... You know, it's over. It's over, yeah. So I I still had that problem of I'm running this business. It's a very seasonal business. How do I move away from that? You know? mm. Yeah, and then also like uh, with the books now, it's more like now I learned that, okay, with books, 
how they're going to help me is that the books kind of help me in the sense of they give me that working capital. So I started to treat them like that. You know, mm. I was no longer, so the following year it was more like, okay, let me go and get more working capital. Let me go and get a million dollars. So you're using one part of the business to fund the other part of the business. Exactly. You know, so, you know, so, so yeah, so I started operating like that and I could see that the gadget side, side was growing. You know, I mean, you know, the following year with abroad. At this time, are you building a team? Because like no, was not, <laughs> at that time it was more like 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 family, you know. Mm. Like my cousin, my cousin was a student at TUT who come and help me. So there was no team, you know. So I was doing almost everything by myself. You know, you get in the car, go to deliver, do everything. You know. What? what how does you know? I always think that solo founders are like the scariest people because you are basically deciding that you can be five, 10 people or five, 10 roles all in one. Right. Yeah. What are the things that you learned about yourself during that experience, trying to, you know, navigate all these different elements of the business and you're alone and the stress is yours. The pressure is yours. The, the struggles are yours. Yeah. Look, I think, I think when I look back now, I think those things were very helpful teaches you to understand a lot of things, teaches you to understand, you know, how finance work, teaches you how to understand how, you know, marketing works, you know, operations. You you get a very clear view of, you know, how things operate, you know. And later on as when you have to scale, you you also understand what kind of people you have to bring in, what you need at a particular time, the value that those people bring to you as well, you know. So that really helped me to to shape who I am today. You know, if I if I just hire people from day one, you know, you will not have understand all of those things, you know. So yeah, so being patient and really allowing the business to grow to a point where you can see that now maybe it's time to hire someone is super, super important as well. Yeah. So what does the journey look like going from, you know, the books business funding the tech business that was growing? Yeah. To, you know, fast forward starting Zulzi. Yeah, so when I was doing that, in fact, I think this is what happened as well, right? So, so second-hand books at the time, the business was called Eurobooks, mm. right? And then now, when you started building a platform and I, I'm starting to sell gadgets, I changed the name to Zuzi, right? From Eurobooks to Zuzi because it was clear that this thing is not just going to sell books, only it's going to sell many other things, you know? At that time, I was actually even thinking that this thing can actually become an Amazon, you know? Mm. Uh, so 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 yeah, so the, the 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 ambition and the goal to make it big was there, you know. It was not just like we're selling books and we're gonna end there. It was more like we this is where we're starting, but we wanna do a lot more. So I remember back then as well, like because then when I was selling gadgets, what was frustrating with gadgets and, and, and textbooks is seasonal, right? I had to look for other things, you know, that I can bring into the platform. So I remember I went for for clothing as well, right? I, I did sell some clothes. I remember bringing some guys, they were very good, those guys, the dresses, you know, like when the traditional stuff just came out, mm. it was starting to blow up. Some guys called Power Africa, I was like, okay, let me get their dress, their dresses into the platform, you know? Yeah, so 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 the issue, I think the problem, they, they had their own problems. Their demand was just ridiculous in their store. Like, like people would come there. I remember, even when I went there, like they were just getting phone calls from everywhere. Mm. And then at the time I was like, wow, these guys, they've got a very, cool product you know i can put it online you know so i then 
spoke to the guys, put the stuff online, same day, right? Take pictures, put it, put it online. And what I saw, right, the demand from those, I remember I had Google Analytics, so I could see exactly what people were searching for, right? The textbook stuff, it was quite challenging because at the time we were competing with Kalahari, take a lot. So they would have more people you know, going mm. to those sites. But my site was not as big as those guys, you know? But when I put things like, like, the dresses, those dresses. I could see that people were actually coming there for those things. I will see, like, you know, some days you open the platform and there's like maybe, you know, 1,000 sessions, you know, where previously you just, if you've got 100 people you know, on the website, it was a lot. You know, 1,000 or something has got to a point where it was even 5,000. But the issue there was the guys were not able to give me stock. So I remember when it started, like, people would order and then the guys just could not deliver on the dresses. I was like, okay, what do you do next, right? Because I realized this is a really good business. Like, the only thing I'm missing <laughs> is even the website, even the website is like booming, you know, mm. people are there looking for these things, you know? And then, you know, I spoke to the guys, I could see the guys, they were not really, they had their own problems. They had their own problems, whatever they're doing is working and they're not coping with it, you know? So then I had a plan of like, okay, let me go and make it myself. The dress. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to hire someone to come in and, you know, I bought the machines, you know, they start sewing, you know, again, my apartment in four weeks, you know, so things were happening there. You know. No, this apartment is a factory. Yeah. <laughs> it's a warehouse, it's a factory. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. So there's like, you know, machines there, busy doing stuff. So, yeah, and then now it's time to scale because, like, you know, they, they actually made the samples. Now I need to get someone who can produce more stuff, right? So I remember, like, I had to look for people around who can make, you know, more of these things, you know. Like, at the time, of like, dashiki dresses, all of those things. Went to downtown, got some lead in some flat, like, you know, like, really, really hardcore downtown. You know? mm. Went out there and they started making dresses for me. And then, yeah, it was, I remember it was December time. We, yeah, we we probably sold about 100,000 rand worth of dresses in two weeks at the time. But there was one problem. I think we got it, the, the size is wrong, you know. Oh, wow. There's a lady who was doing the, the the sizes. She just didn't get it. Like, everything was, like, one size up, you know. And then a lot of people would then return those things and say, it doesn't fit me, you know, or it's too big. And then we found out later that it was actually the wrong size. So even when we fixed the size, when you tell us your size 36, well, now we make it 36. You're like, no, it still doesn't fit me. And then we only realized later that actually the sizes were just incorrect. Everything was just, you know, a mess. Mm. But then I was like, no, this business is not going to work for me. You know? So December, I was like, no, that's it. I'm not going to go further into this. And then, uh, yeah, and then I had another friend as well who works here now. She was selling her. She had a website. I was like, no, bring those things to this platform. You know? So sell weaves. My brother. <laughs> so, so there was a lot of these things that were happening, you know. Always looking for stuff to say, let's iterate, let's get more stuff, you know. Yeah. You go from books to tech to dresses to weaves. Yeah. You know? What's next? <laughs> so, yeah. So, but then I think in 20, 2016, right, I, I, I then made a pivot, which was critical. I think it was more like about the speed, change the speed of delivery mm. for textbooks. Remember, textbooks are still happening, right? So 2012, second hand, 
every year we are looking for ways to improve it. But the biggest improvement we made in 20, actually not 2016, I'm, I feel like I'm getting the, the years incorrect, but I think about 2014, we made a period of starting to deliver books within two hours to students. Because remember, like, at the time it was very clear that a lot of students are, are close to, like, bookshops, all of these things. You know? So if you are delivering next day or 48 hours, you never cut it for them. You know? So when we started to deliver books quickly to students, I could see there was, there was a huge uptake. So we used to deliver books within two hours to students. And then we started seeing more and more students becoming more and more interested, right, in ordering books from us. So we kind of like started moving away from having those stands in campus to just being a pure online player, you know, who we'll just take stuff, deliver it to students, two hours you have books, right? So when that was happening, then I knew that, okay, now we have a business. You know? how, how did you actually make that work? Because if, say, for example, someone's in VITS or UP, how are you making sure that when they order online, they're going to get it in, in, in two hours? Are there now, like, guys on the ground in these campuses that are waiting to deliver the books? Or how does it work? No, we scaled down. So we started focusing on, like, UJ and VETS. So, which means this one guy could actually do it in two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so like you've got everything, you've got mm -hmm. all the stock in the car. If you order, the car goes there. You know, you, you want another order and UJ, the car goes there, you know. So some people will get it in 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Yeah, so that became like a trap. But we're really trying everything. Whatever you've ordered, if we don't fulfill in two hours, at least same day you get your stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. We'll deliver until we late, like 11 p.m., you know. Yeah, it was just one car doing all of that, you know. So... But it was very clear that every time you improve the time, students become more interested. But now, then when I looked around, I thought, okay, now we can actually fight the other guys. You know? Like, there's no one who's doing this. You know? mm. Two-hour delivery, there's no one who's doing this. And yeah, because Kalahari or take a lot are going to yeah. take at least five days or, or whatever else. Yeah. Mm. So, so to me, it was very clear that actually now the sky is the limit can usually bring in any, any category. You know? Then, yeah, then then I started toying around with the idea of building an app, which was going to be like a super app where you have like your, your groceries, fast food, pharmaceuticals, alcohol, delivered to customers within one hour, right? Yeah, and then when I was starting, when I started to toy around that idea, I remember like then I, I won, there was this thing called an SAP Kickstart. I think I was selecting oh, yes. the program. I know that program. Yeah, and then I think I got about 700,000 rand. That 700,000 rand, I, I was supposed to have used it to buy books, but came in late because, like, like, what do you put it? The, the campus, I think they, they gave us around March. Of and by that time, the season time, is gone. Yeah, season is gone. So without cash, I remember I bought, like, duck ducks, and those duck ducks were going to deliver books, but this time around, the branding was different. It was like saying, restaurant, groceries, pharmaceuticals, alcohol, all delivered to you in 15 minutes. Back then, I was aiming for 15 minutes, actually. You know? And then, yeah, bought two duck dogs, and then with some of the cash, Michael was a partner now. I remember at the time I hired him, I was like, dude, like, uh, well, I want you to come over, I'll pay you 100,000 rand, you know, a month, you know, just to help me build this thing. I think that was his last 100,000 rand then, you know. <laughs> And then, yeah, and then he came over and then we started building this platform. I think this was in 2016, actually. So we started building this platform, everything, restaurants, groceries, you know. Yeah, and then we launched, right? I think we launched in September. 
where we are now offering like a full service, you know, like almost everything. Books are still featuring as well. You know, when you need a little bit of cash, jam, mm. they're still featuring, you know. But now it was very clear that these categories that we're going for are big categories. There is no seasonality issue. Like, yeah. And there's a lot more frequency as well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, I remember we when we launched, it was on a Friday, we submitted, the, in fact, the apps are now available in all the, you know, Apple, Google Store, but it was very quiet. There was no order, right? And the following day, remember, went to a park run. It was quite cool. You know, I come back, I think, you know, park run started, used to start at 8 or 7 at the time, but I came back home around 11. Don't judge me, that I was the slowest. <laughs> <laughs> Got home, chilled. Then 12, I was like, hey, let me check this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Let me check this thing. By the time I checked, there was an order. Just one? Yeah, customer had ordered like breakfast, you know, about 12 o'clock. <laughs> when I was in the park around, someone decided to use this thing. You know, <laughs> you know okay, cool. Now I get into the car, quickly drive to Rokomamas. When I got there, I don't have a card, right? No bank card. Oh, damn. No bank card. These guys are like, they're not going to give me the stuff, right? Yeah. So I had to drive back home, get a bank card. By the time I got to the customer, it was 2 o'clock. With the breakfast? With the breakfast. I remember the guy, when he opened the door, he was, he was not impressed at all. But we had a long conversation. Like I think, you know, the guy actually ended up becoming big customers. So I explained what we're doing. But, you know, like, basically what I was saying was like, yeah, dude, you took a gamble with us. You know? <laughs> Yeah, so did you it, did you have a launch strategy or was it just like let's build this app, let's put it up, and then we'll see what happens? No, there was no strategy to for anything. It was just more like we'll maybe send the emails to the customers that we had, like the guys from the books. books. Yeah, oh, say, you know, mm. now you can order one, two, three, four, download the app. So you know, and there was no money as well, right? Like 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 at the time, it's like yeah, there's no cash that we can use to do anything, you know? Yeah, and then. From there, and also one thing I must remember is all these things, the restaurant that we had on the platform, the grocery retailers, everything, and there, were, there was not even a single partner, right? And that story is, I feel like it's always important for me to mention it, you know? Mm. Because I think, I remember when we were building this app, I was so sure about a lady that we used to eat at a restaurant every day in Brown, that she was going to be the first customer to mm. want to come to the platform. And I remember I went to Macro, bought a camera, then went to the restaurant. Tell, I told her that we're ready to take pictures of the food. Are you ready to come online? This thing's going to change everything. It's like, no, mm. I'm interested, you know. And from that day, I knew that it's going to be very, very difficult for us to sign up these other guys. You know, you just imagine chicken. You can imagine this camp saying they want to come to a platform. Mm. So we then... I remember the time we tried to get this other company to do scraping for us, like based in the US, to scrap all the different websites. But they were just too slow and they were too expensive. And then we decided to build our own scraper. What's a scraper? Scraper is like something that goes to different websites, mm. takes the information, takes pictures, takes the price, barcode. Mm. So it's sort of like pricing information for products and all of that. Yeah, and mm. images. And then you can take that and upload it on your, on your platform. So we started building that. And if a restaurant will just go there, I'll take a picture of the menu when I get there. And then I go home and then I start typing that, you know, this is the whatever mm. thing I needed. So we, but what was the thinking to have so many different categories at the time, right? Because now you have the books that are very seasonal. Do you still have the gadgets on the platform? 
Yeah, so so in fact, books and gadgets they were still more on the website, not on the not on the app. And the app was just restaurants and groceries. Yeah, restaurant groceries. And what was the thinking to just like put everything on there? It was more like anything that you want, you should be able to get in one place. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't have to download multiple apps. You know, so that was the thinking at the time to say you know fast food these things. And I think when I look back, you know, like if if we had understood how to raise money, how to like, cause I mean, at the time we didn't even know that you have to raise money for those things. You know, mm-hmm. it's more like with those these things, which is passionate. You know, it's a strategy that yeah could have worked even even then. You know, even today, like a lot of guys, if you look at them, the time of those super apps, but those categories were key. You know, to make any super app work. So when we're doing this, this thing as well. Now we have launched. We have these categories. And then the fast food space, Uber Eats launched here mm. uh, in South Africa. So you guys launched before Uber Eats? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just before Uber Eats, yeah. Uber Eats launched. And then Mercedes as well were very serious now about their business. You know, I remember when Uber Eats launched, I was like, yeah, these guys are going to destroy us. <laughs> because, <laughs> because at the time, like, these guys are even giving free beggars. You know? mm. And I was trying to eat as much as I can with those free beggars. If I can bring them down, you know. Uh, but it was very clear that, yeah, these guys are, are going to really kick us, you know. We don't have partnerships. We don't have any money. So, yeah, and then we, you know, three months, four months down the line, I think we were doing about 700,000 rent a month. And then, you know, go when we were at six months, I think six, six eight months, we should had a million rent. We did our first million rent after mm. six months. And where are these customers coming from at this point? Is it mostly just like, you know, word of mouth? Is it yep. the, that strategy of still going to, you know, try and be physical and showing customers that this thing works? No, not was word of mouth. Mm. We're not talking about this thing, you know. You know, like you know, that cust- customers were angry as well now, realizing you know, like that first customers they're mm. talking about this thing, you know, that you can actually order stuff, you can get it quickly, you can order, you know, and and people also were com- were comparing us. I remember on the me- on social media, people were. Because now there's Uber Eats, now they understand that actually it's possible to order food online. People are comparing. I remember I saw this other post where someone was asking, what's the difference between Zuzi and, uh, and Uber Eats, you know? Because they were just, they just didn't understand, you know? They thought Uber Eats is better. And, and one customer was like, no, actually these guys can give you groceries as well. So they're far more superior. And then, but I didn't like that, that someone must actually explain what's the difference. I realized that our message is getting diluted as well in terms of like who we are, right? Mm. So like the restaurant stuff was dominating more, right? And from our side as well, I think we're we're doing about of the of the million rent that we're doing at the time, about nine hundred thousand rent was fast food, hundred thousand rent was groceries, you know. And also like there were like a lot of challenges in how you fulfill these things. You know, one thing that we learned then when we're doing that, we realized that restaurants and Groceries are very different, you know, even how you present them, you know. So we had to build, when you go to a restaurant, it must look like a menu. But when you go to groceries, it can't look like a menu because it's like 7,000 products, you know. How do you browse 7,000 products that looks like a menu? It's, you know, it's going to be hard for you. you know? mm. So categorizing things better, making sure that popular products, you can see them much easier. Those are the things that we had to do at the time, you know. But also, because we didn't have partnerships as well, we realized that buying... Like for instance, restaurants now, we had a little bit of a call center and brand as well, where people could call to order you know, mm-hmm. restaurants. Like, where you place your order, because remember, there was no partnership. So, you place an order, you can call, or come on, say, I want an order, mm-hmm. one, two, three, four, and then the driver goes and collects it. 
But with a grocery retailer, you can't do that, right? So you need, you need to have someone to go and shop for it. So those differences, you could see that like these are these are separate things altogether. Right? They look very similar, but very very different. Would you say they're very different businesses, like completely? Look, there are some similarities. But I would say very different, very different from even from a margin perspective. Also very different in terms of like when you look at groceries, every time you buy something and being picked from a store, chances of that item are being available is quite high. You know, as in a restaurant, if you order a burger, they will make it for you. you know? Yeah. If they don't have cheese, they will just go and buy it and make it for you, right? But on the other side, you know, if something's not available, it's a mission to get it, you know. So, yeah, so that's where we, I realized that, you know, and also like the, the fast food was very clear that now there's, there's a lot of competition. You know, as much as we're making that 900,000 rand, the competition was coming very quickly. So I made a decision that, guys, let's rather focus on something that is niche, which is groceries, which I believe was going to be the next big goal for, for almost everyone. So I remember I made a call. I was like, let's comment out the restaurant, you know, because there was no announcement or anything. It was just more like, we go to the call, you comment it out, you know, and yes, and people were crying, like, what happened? So you just like wiped them out? Yeah, we just, in fact, <laughs> we commented them out. I was like, let's comment them out. <laughs> let's see what people are saying, you know, but so that we can focus on something which I think is going to give us a better chance of succeeding playing in that space mm. this time around being the best guy to go to the market hopefully we can change that space you know yeah to access previous episodes of this podcast but also again access to other shows on our network please visit lucha.com